Yo, what up, though? It's your man, Jay Johnson. And your man, Dan, going wild. Uh, back for episode 12? 12, yeah. 12 weeks yeah. strong. Yeah, 12. Yeah, Mr. Weekend. That's three months. It's like a job. You get benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I wish. <laughs> there are no benefits. Um, Not yet. Not yet. It's coming, though. Yeah. We also got a special uh, special guest. My man, Tariq's in the building. What up, though? What's happening? Um, um, Instagram. At call underscore me underscore Tariq underscore. Yes. Uh, so hit him up. Uh, so this week we just gonna uh, we got a pretty interesting brother in the house. Uh, we gonna dig a little bit deep into uh, who he is and his story. Um, but before we do that, I just want to touch up on what's been going on in the week so far. It's been another week full of bullshit. Uh, the backlash from from the cop Colin Kaepernick. Not standing for the national anthem is still going on. Still going on. My man from the Broncos, uh, Brandon Marshall, yep. took a knee for the national anthem, and then he ended up losing his endorsement. Mm. Yeah. With um, a local credit union out in uh, out in Denver. That's that's messed up. Um, white uh, soccer player. Um, this I can't think of her name because I don't listen to. I don't. I don't watch soccer. Let's be real. I feel uh, but it was one of the ESPN topics of the week. She took a knee, didn't want to stand for the American, I mean, for the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and all other bullshit, right? But did you see what the team did though, yes. when she took the knee? So in, so the next game, instead of waiting for the players to come out, they just played the national anthem before the players got so out. So you could, like, I'm going to take your protest away from you before you can protest. I'm not going to give you the option of protest. That same thing I think will happen. Not, I don't know if the NFL will take it away. But I feel like in another week or two, it'll be a fine for you doing this. Well, they can't. They they've already set precedent. They came and um, and said that though we encourage them to, um, it's not mandated. There's nowhere in a collective bargain agreement like you don't have to stand, and it's your it's a right. The NFL just big on control overall, like the whole pageantry of it. Yeah. Every like everything that the player wears, like if it's not licensed NFL shit. They find they was finding Odell Beckham all the last season for them funny ass cleats that he like wearing and shit. So the one I mean, with the high heels on it, or <laughs> that's, oh. your, that's your man's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he got the cleats with the high heels on it, or only thing I could agree with is it is his play on the field. Anything other than that is just always suspect when it comes to Odell. Um, there was another picture floating around two uh black girls, high school girls on a volleyball team. They like the only three black girls on the team. And took they, a knee. they took a knee or whatever. Some high school football players did the same thing yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I like to see that, you know, it's it sparked some type of, it sparked a movement. You know what I'm saying? But this is what interests me. How did me sitting down for the national anthem morph into I don't respect the flag? I have a problem with the flag because everybody said don't disrespect the flag. I like what you doing, but don't disrespect your flag. No, this ain't had nothing to do with the flag. I didn't stand up for the national anthem. That is not synonymous. Like that's not the, those are two different things. Yeah, and they're not disrespecting the flag. It ain't like somebody standing up and down on it, burning the flag. Like they just not standing up for the song, which we when we talked about last week is racist as hell. Yeah, third verse. Third verse is 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 wild. So I mean, if you're not standing up from the song, I'm with you. Like there's no correlation. To how it affects your respect for the flag or shows lack thereof respect for the flag. Those are two completely different things. You get arrested for disrespecting the flag. Man, if I don't stand through the national anthem, you know, whatever. 
That shit crazy. Who else jumped out the somebody we had more people jump out the window this week. Shaq. Losing my respect all the way around. Uh Shaquille O'Neal. He ain't I'm not even giving him the, the Shaq uh the Shaq moniker no more. Uh so he says he don't he his since his father was military, he don't support Colin Kaepernick. Um, he don't know his motives. Why didn't he do this last year? Why didn't he do this? Now, why is he just doing it now? And why didn't he, why didn't he do this um, when he first came in the NFL? He just doesn't understand it. You, so you're not respecting, you're not supporting Colin Kaepernick. I don't, I, I don't get what one thing has to do with another. No, and, and it's, it's just like Colin Kaepernick not wanting to stand for the flag. You got your own opinion, you know, but, Shut the fuck up about it. I mean, I think I think Shaq's whole thing is it's that Hall of Fame weekend. You know that that spotlight is back on him again as an individual. You know, this is my chance to to speak my rhetoric. Did you watch the Hall of Fame induction last no. night? No, not hey, I got inducted. I know I did see that. I'm, he I'm shouted happy for out Jada Kiss, yeah. Biggie, you know, Red Man, all of them for being his soundtrack to his whole career. That's dope. And he was late. To when they gave him the, the orange jackets. Good shit. Showed up an hour and a half late. Good. To that a was, two hour ceremony. That was his. That was his private. That was his private uh, protest. That was a. That was a peaceful protest right there. Nothing changes about AI. I always feel like he's ready to put out. A, he always looked like he's ready to drop a mixtape. So, Tariq, what do you think about? So, when the things happened in Dallas, when somebody out here shooting police officers, when when they rioted in Ferguson and all the other stuff, they say, "Hey, man." We should do peaceful protests. You got to go a peaceful route. And then you got somebody who actually does the most peaceful thing you can do is just sit the fuck down. And everybody got a problem with it. Uh, And it's a few things I want to say real quick. Caucasians have a problem with it. Let's just be honest. Absolutely. Caucasians have a problem with it. They don't give a damn what you do. If you if you riot, if you you know what I'm saying, you you march at the Black Lives Matter, you sit down during the national anthem, anything you do to upset white supremacy, they have a problem with. Absolutely. Because whether they are quote unquote racist themselves, no matter what, they still benefit from white supremacy. Rather you, you however you personally feel about black people, it doesn't matter. You cannot change your complexion. When you walk into a job interview, you're still Caucasian. Mm-hmm. When you want to move into a neighborhood, you're still a Caucasian moving into a neighborhood. So that's just what it is, and they don't want to upset that status quo. But what I don't even I don't even think Colin Kaepernick understands the significance of what he's done, or the magnitude, or the ramifications that it could have in the future. They're upset about the national anthem, and we found out through through his protests and through studies. They found out that the third verse is extremely racist. So let's just say this is the beginning of the unraveling of every system in America that has a racist undertone. Absolutely. The whole country will fall because it was built on racism. Which is that's kind of like what we touched on last last week. Like, no, this is the same flag that was flying all through slavery. Yeah. Tell me what year it was okay for black people to support the flag and the, the Pledge of Allegiance. Also, what Colin Kaepernick has done, now the San Francisco 49ers have pledged $1 million um, to some 
civil right causes and things of that nature. Um, and this is 100% because of Colin Kaepernick. Oh, yeah, cause like, he, what else would made the... the uh, in 2016, yeah, we're going to give a million dollars to some uh, some black kids out here just to he, help relations. He promised, he promised the proceeds because now his jersey is the number one selling jersey in the Ain't NFL. That funny? And I'm definitely going to give me and my son some jersey. <laughs> Shout out to Kaepernick. It's a double-edged sword, though. Because the NFL still get money off y'all protests. I mean, <laughs> the NFL still wins. Like, okay, yeah, nigga, stand up for your people, and let's we go cash in too. The pimp still gets gets the money at the end of the day. So I mean, the NFL is not going to lose out on that. But he pledged the money from his jersey sales, a million dollars from his salary. Then the team stepped up and said they would pledge a million dollars as well. So I mean, they 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 tried to spin the spin it in a positive light on on the PR end. Yeah. So the Seattle uh, Seahawks said their entire team is going to do something this coming Sunday, which happens to be September the 11th. Um, I know on social media, everybody has been saying that they're going to do some sort of protest. I think it's going to be the exact opposite. Dog. I think they're about to do some All Lives Matter stuff. That's just my opinion. <laughs> on September 11th, I think. Cause I, you, think about the significance of that. For most people, the significance of September 11th and the the whole flag and everything like that, I don't think they got an as a whole team. I don't think they got enough balls to but do Seattle's something. Seattle's always been like off to do their own thing. You know, Pete Carroll is like a a forward thinking ass coach, yeah. and and you know they had a lot of forward thinking team members. You know, Marshawn Lynch ain't too far removed, and they even talking about he may come back. And play and play this season. So I mean, seeing them do a protest or do something wouldn't be out of the realm of reality for that squad because they've always kind of been been trailblazers in terms of a team. I mean, and not just a team. Seattle as a city is very uh, very liberal. Yeah, and very yeah. very. You know, but I mean, the like, players yeah. aren't from Seattle. Nah. And even one of my favorite players, well, one of my favorite players, and you know, Richard Sherman, a very smart and very educated brother. A couple of weeks ago, he was on All Lives Matter, and he don't wasn't supporting the Black Lives Matter. He said he didn't understand it. Well, what about when a black kid killed a black? Like he went that route, and that was the last person that I was expecting to go that route. Like you too intelligent for that to be the argument. Like you got you know these aren't like you can two things can be this two answers can be true at the same time. What? Yes, uh, black children can kill other black children. That can be true. However police brutality from systematic racism is wrong. Like two wrongs don't make like those two things are not equal. Um, I wasn't expecting that his teammates uh, disagreed with them and they came out and vocally. But what I do like is that uh, everything was said respectfully between them two. And apparently everybody's on the same page now and they're going to do something tomorrow. I think it's just going to be a very, um, Ambiguous showing. I don't because I think tomorrow, September 11th, you have you have the eyes of a nation on you because don't because black of the fist up on September 11th. I hope that happens, right? At least my fifty three people crazy. on the sideline throwing up the fist. Dirt, White them, folks too. Dirt, yeah, yeah, all everybody. Woo. If you don't want to do it, stay your ass in the locker. What a Pete Carroll throw the fist up. He'll be on the cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated next oh, week if you throw man. the fist up. Man, that man. whole team will make the cover of Sports Illustrated next week if they throw their fist up during the national anthem. Now, we probably going off on the deep end. We ain't gonna get maybe that's asking for too much, but I hope they I hope they do some type of form of protest to, to the national anthem. 
I'm interested into it, and um, not just because of just protesting for protest, but at the end of the day, all black people, we know what's up. Like, there's nothing you can tell me. There's no more speeches you need to tell me or, or anything like that. If anything needs to change, it needs to change on the half, on the on the side of the majority dominant race in this society, which happens to be Caucasians. When they don't understand that there's an actual problem because most of them don't think that it still exists. Nah, I'm not going to say that because you see a lot more apathy from younger, from like a younger generation uh, of Caucasians. Well, polls suggest um, that we think that there's still racism and there's a large majority of them who do not think that there is racism. Oh, now, that, now that part of the poll is some bullshit. And we also, ab- we absolutely know there's still but racism. But you can actually just take a look that people are really upset that you didn't stand for the um, national anthem and you little, no matter how much sense he makes, it doesn't matter to you. you like you like, how do you listen to him and say, this is exactly why I'm not supporting it because we don't have liberty and justice for all. As soon as I think that we have liberty and justice for all, I will fully support this. No, don't, don't disrespect the flag. Listen, like the, the, the obliviousness <laughs> of the world pisses me off. How can I scream to you that my life matters and you have any rebuttal? Harambe. How can you rebuttal that? If I'm looking at you and I'm telling you that my life matters, what is your argument? All life matters. Not what? yours. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not understanding it. And if we go back to 1864 and you, and, and they took, the census took a poll and they asked, is slavery an issue? Now, this is a year before they abolished slavery. 80% of the country said no. Slavery is not a big issue. A year before the civil rights movement in 1963, they said, do you think Caucasian children and black children get a quality, get a both get a fair quality education? 72% of the country said yes. Mm. 2016, 2016 kids are getting a fair quality education. I mean, so, and, and so to quote, so, so to quote my man Tim Wise real quick, have all black people got it wrong now? And are all Caucasian people just suddenly right? No. Slavery was a problem then. Education was a problem then. And racism is still a problem now. Absolutely. We ain't just lost our damn minds and making some shit up just because it sounds good. These are real issues. It's, it's mind-boggling. I love Tim Weiss, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Tim Weiss and um, Jane Elliott. Like, they're my two favorite... Um, Caucasians. Two two favorite people down for the cause who are not physically inside of the cause. <laughs> because because they use common sense. It's not that they're just, you know, trailblazers with their thinking. They're so introspective. Like they, they view the world with using common sense. Absolutely. Um All right, so we'll we'll just we'll get into uh to Tariq and uh how would you introduce yourself to the world? If people for people don't know you, what would you like people to know about you? Uh, first of all, I care about my people, man. Like, let's 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 get that understood and let's get that out the way. I love black people, but I know the potential of black people. I know our history and I know where we come from, so I know where we can go. Right, right. And you know, other than that, you know, what I'm saying I'm a student in pursuit of my degrees, plural. Uh, striving professor, small business owner, public speaker, community activist, Muslim dad. You know, I'm 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 a lot of things, man. But above all else, I love black people, and I just we got to do better, man. One of the reasons uh, 
I'm glad you was able to come on the show because out of all the things as you are, it is a, a great representation of black people because each individual, each individual person is not the same. Like there, I, there are different shades of me. There are different shades of you. And we always get depicted one way in the media, exactly. Exactly. on television, through everything. We get depicted one way. And, um, I just want to share with other people like, Sir, one thing does not dictate how the rest of your life is going to go. Um, who I am as a person off of one interaction, you can't base that. Like, I am a father. I am a um, a business owner. Like, all these different things. And we'll break some of those things down. Uh, so, what are you in school for? Uh, I'm in school for... Uh Counseling and uh, counseling and social work. Okay. But my uh, my goal is to, inshallah, get my master's degree so I can get to those minds, so I can become a professor and I can help shape and guide these these young minds we got out here. Okay. 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 Yeah, that. You know, we t- we just talked on it real really briefly that disparity in education is is so huge and you know and I think people sort of sort of ignorance and apathy to it is a huge problem as well. Uh, like you, I'm a father. You know what I'm saying? I, and I love my kids. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, they my world. And just the stress that I go through every year, just trying to find a decent school, you know, to give them that edge. You know, I don't, I don't make enough where I can afford to put them in private school. So, I mean, I have to rely on some form of public education. We tried charter school and that worked for some of my kids. But, you know, for like my youngest son, charter school just wasn't a good fit for him. You know, now all of my kids at a school age are in public school. So, I mean, it's, you know, just trying to, to find, like I said, a quality education for them year in and year out is it's a struggle. It's a damn near a hassle. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we all grew up and went through the public school system. Right, right. And, you know, there were some teachers that just didn't, didn't get one fuck. If you showed up to class, you turned in homework. And I had teachers I knew... Like, if I go to this class, I'm sleeping during this hour every day, and they're not going to fuck with me. And they're going to give me at least a D or a C minus so I can pass and get the hell out of here because they don't want me in there next semester. But I knew some teachers I had was going to bust my ass, and if I, if I passed, it was going to be because, like, I put my knuckles to the dirt and worked for that shit. Now I appreciated it later on in life, but you don't... You know that that disparity still exists. Some people there for a check, and some people there to change lives. If, if if you were to ask me right now, what is wrong with the public school system, not just in Detroit but in the country? I would tell you absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the school systems in America. Explain. The school systems in America are doing exactly what they were designed to do. Gotcha. Yeah. When we talk about history, we always seem to detach ourselves. But the, it's, the history is not past, present, and future. They're all one. Mm-hmm. The reason that I'm speaking this language right now today in 2016 is because what happened to my ancestors in 1519. It's the only reason that I speak English. So when schools were created, we was picking cotton. We fought, we fought to get free. We fought, we fought to get integrated, but we never fought to change the curriculum. You go in any math class, you're going to learn about Pythagorean, the Pythagorean theorem. This is an upper class Caucasian man. 
That's what school is for. It's not for lower class Caucasian men, and it's not for Caucasian women, and it definitely ain't for your black ass. When they created this curriculum, they didn't have you in mind. You were property. When you go into a sociology class or a psychology class, you're going to learn about Freud. You're going to learn about want. Again, that Caucasian upper class male is going to see himself in the curriculum. You're never going to see yourself, black people, in the curriculum because school was not created for you. Right, right, right. We have to... Listen, there's an old African proverb, and I'm going to paraphrase. A a zebra doesn't give a lion his children to raise. Why are we giving our children to somebody else to educate? That's our job. Absolutely. Think about this. The most informative years of a child's life, they aren't with you seven to eight hours a day. So between first grade and 12th grade, where they learn everything about life and they develop who they're going to be as a person, somebody else is teaching them that. But you know what? I mean, somebody else is teaching teaching curriculum but like my parents were educators my mother was a teacher my grandmother was a teacher my grandfather was a professor so i mean for me education started at home first and foremost absolutely you know i now i understood school gave me the grades and helped me move on but like my quality of education came from inside of my house i knew the truth yeah in in that aspect you was blessed because the average person down the street can't give you what the quote-unquote history in the history book and say hey in 1776 uh, this is what really happened you know what i'm saying we're gonna get this fake story about how slavery ended and how lincoln cared so much about us that he he freed us you yeah, know i'm like right. no this was a monetary deal like oh, this yeah. was about uh and this is using this as an example um so speaking of slavery half the country was had free labor, free slave labor, and the other half of the country, these white folks were paying workers to work their fi- their fields and things of that nature. And they looked over there like, well, hold on, y'all got free people over there, y'all got free labor, and I gotta pay and do this stuff myself. That's not fair. And these two people started beefing, and our president, the president at the time, ended it to stop that civil war. It had nothing to do with the fact that black people was. Slave, just like you said the year before, eighty percent of the people didn't think it was a problem. But it's crazy that you mentioned that because just the other week when I took my sons to the barber shop, shop Lin- talk. Yeah, yeah. When I took my sons to the barber shop, Lincoln was on in the barber shop. yeah. It, which is, a, but it does have some good. It does have some poignant topics, and it does have some good points to it. Because like my my youngest son, he's nine, so he's starting fourth grade. Damn, yeah, he just started fourth grade, so. You know, he he knows who Abe Lincoln is in terms of the figure. Mm -hmm. He knows that Abe Lincoln is on the five dollar bill, you know, the top hat, just the basic shit. But like we spent literally the whole time in the barbershop. So because I wanted him to watch the movie, because as the movie was going on, he was coming at us with like questions. Well, why is he doing this? Why is he doing? Why do they want to kill Lincoln? And I'm like, look, if you watch the whole story, like I can expound and give you more. Yeah. But, like if you watch the story, that you got a basis you- of what it is. Yeah. And then you can go correct things. Yeah. Yeah. But and- a lot of people don't have that option. Right. So absolutely. Education starts at home. But most people in the city of Detroit, um, the college rate ain't that high. So after twelfth no. grade, you jump into the road, especially in this in this city because we had the big three here. So after after you graduate from college, I mean graduate from high school, you went to work at Ford, Chrysler, General Motors. Shit, and that's when what we you graduated did. high school, people were still 
Like, I remember I had an uncle that worked at Chrysler. You know, God bless him. He's passed now, worked at Chrysler 40 some odd years. And when I graduated, or was I was going into 12th grade, he was like, you know, I can get you in. But to me, like, I didn't want to do that shit. Now, I knew going to a four-year university maybe not have been the route for me either, but I knew working 30 years at Chrysler but think wasn't going to work for me neither. Think about that. But generation after generation did that exact same thing. Oh, man, so people all... told me I was crazy as hell because I didn't want to go work. You can get a good-ass job. I had family members, like, talk me down and dog me the fuck out because I didn't want to graduate and go work at the plant. So you got... so. So you graduated high school, your parents more than likely worked there, and then their parents worked there as well. So you got three generations see, of people who got a 12th grade education, and all that information that they got was faulty. But see, that's the complete opposite, though. I'm, I, I can just speak for my family. Both my parents are college educated. You know, my mother has a, a master's degree. My father didn't attain his master's, but they both were college educated. Both went to HBCUs, along so did my grandparents. And, like, most of my media family, like, I was the only one that didn't go away to didn't go away to college or go to an HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Like, my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, like, they all graduated from Morehouse. When I chose not to go to Morehouse, like, that shit was, it was a hurtful conversation, <laughs> straight up. But that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, for, yeah. Exactly. For, for yeah. us here, you know, that's exactly. the exception, not the rule. So... You know, I follow you on, on um, social media and everything. He had posted that one of your professors uh, said you was brilliant and all the you know all the other stuff. Like, because I know you're a very intelligent person, and we be on the same tip on a lot of stuff. So when you come and you, while you in class and your professor says something that's blatantly wrong that he probably thinks is the truth, like how does that go? Uh, every semester I've been in college, I've had an outburst. I call them episodes. <laughs> every single one. I mean, every time. Let me tell you the story. Last semester, I had African-American history. And we, the class, we in there, and we sitting in there, and we waiting on a professor to come in. And in walks this four-foot-seven Caucasian lady. About Teaching African-American history. On a collegiate level. This ain't hmm. no eighth grade or nothing. This is the collegiate level. And you walk in here about to tell me about who I am. And then you're lying. Hmm. You're you you're telling blatant lot. Oh my goodness! It's it's listen. I'm I'm one of those people. I never shut up, especially when I'm right. <laughs> I don't shut up when I'm wrong, but especially when I'm right, <laughs> right you're not right. gonna shut me up. So this me and this lady went back and forth, and I had to tell her. I say, listen, I can see that you're taking this personal. Don't take it personal, and don't misunderstand my passion for anger. I'm just passionate about this the subject, and it's a room full of black people. You lying to them about who they were. I know who we were. You don't. So stop teaching to the textbook and teach to the, the truth. So I'm, I, you know, I will every time that, that that like I said, we already had one this semester that just happened the other day. So what happened with that? Um, we was talking about Willie Lynch. <laughs> we was talking about Willie Lynch. We was talking about the Willie Lynch letter, okay. and that I don't believe ever was, existed. Oh my goodness! Personally, my, I don't my, think my, my brother, ever... my brother, my brother. Upon my own research that I've conducted myself, there is no actual evidence that this man ever existed. The scheme that he put in, supposedly, is divide and conquer. Divide and conquer has been around way before 1770 whatever. Oh, definitely. Way before. But they're trying to say that this one dude outsmarted a whole race. One dude. 
was smarter than the people who created science, who built the pyramids, who created mathematics. I'm not going to give Caucasians that much credit. So, years ago, I looked into it myself. And, like, the Willie Lynch letter, like, was, like, 1995 was when people started mentioning the yeah, Willie Lynch yeah. letter. Like, so, where was this letter at before 1995? It has, like, one mention. Um, and that was, like, someone referenced it in, like, a, um, a journal entry or something like that. Uh, one of the papers or whatever. Like, it don't exist. Like, it didn't happen. When you even look at the, like, somebody broke down. Um, where he was standing at and where, like, physically, where you was at. Like, these locations don't exist. If you were here, there wasn't no river that you can stand on. If you was from, the, like, like it didn't exist. And it's easy for me in 19, let's just give it, so in 1995, to look at history and then write a statement based off what I saw actually happen and say, yes, we predicted it. We smarter than you. Man, get out of here. Don't talk to me about no fucking Willie Lynch letter that you don't know existed. But that's just like with everything. Like so, so if you listen to this right now and you have and you everybody's a lot of people have heard of the Willie Lynch letter, right? Yeah. But if you've never heard that it may not actually exist, that means someone made some shit up, told you it, and you just believed it was true without ever fact checking. Which which typically happens with everything though. <laughs> yeah. With um, I mean, and this is and and and, and this go, and this speaks to their history. But when you don't have a history, you have to create one. You have to make one up. Greek mythology is a course in almost every university on the planet. But you can't go to study Egyptology at all but 20 universities in this country. So, things that actually happened, I can't study. But some shit y'all blatantly met. Zeus ain't never, he, ain't, he wasn't real. Apollo, Poseidon, none of them niggas ever existed. That shit is fake. This is a fairy tale. Now, I do have a theory on where all that shit came from. That may be for another podcast. But I do have a theory on where all that Greek mythology stuff uh, came from. And it, all of it goes back to Egypt and everything like that. It all goes back, like, if you believe, oh, man, this might have to, I, I, <laughs> so listen, all right, fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. So if you believe, let's just say if you believe in the Bible, right? Okay. Everybody doesn't, so I, so, so I say if. If you believe in the Bible and you believe that, uh, God threw a third of the angels out and they physically came down. And that, if you believe in the Bible and you believe in David and Goliath, then you know Goliath was a giant or a Nephilim because at some point angels and humans made it and they had offsprings. Um, and these offsprings were not human. They were what we refer to as demigods or the Zeuses, the, the Poseidon, stuff like that. These people had different things because it was an angel and a human and they made it together. So in my brain, no one, this is just me. Um, those demigods, these different fossils and giant bones that they found, mm -hmm. I think were the offsprings when the fallen angels actually made it with the people here on earth and created something different. And I think that's where all these Greek mythology things come from. And I don't mean that somebody was literally controlling all the water and all this extra shit and I think all these stories basically came from them because Goliath was a real, if you believe in the Bible, mm -hmm. Goliath was a real thing, an actual giant because of that. You know I mean, what I mean? There's, Nephilim's there's, there's, always been, there's always been great orators, great writers throughout history. So, I mean, the fact that these stories are concocted from and they something. Even, they, they, they reference them in the Bible. They speak to the, the men of renown is what they actually reference them in the Bible. And... 
And at some point, God was like, hey, no more. And not even just demons, but actual angels were mating with the people here. Right, right. Um, so that's where some of that. That's only if you come into that realm and you, you, you know, because a lot of people don't. Some do, some don't. But I think, and this is this the, this is the messed up thing about history. So let's just say our civilization get wiped out, right? Um, two, three hundred years from now, somebody comes and find a bunch of Harry Potter books, and they decipher the language. They they figure out what our language is, and they read all these Harry Potter Harry Potter books. Who tells them that this fiction and not real? Like, so we found these books from ancient civilizations, right? How do I know this was like? A newspaper clipping that supposed to show what actually happened, or what? What if this was like a book or a novel, like entertainment? You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't know. There's, there's nothing, nothing to give somebody else that variation. Yeah, even with stuff now, you may find some some clay tablets written somewhere. I would literally never know if you were trying to explain what actually happened here, or you was a kid with a notebook that got was you got sent to your bedroom and you start writing all these stories. Like I literally would never know. Everything that we do. Or worse yet, they find a double XL full of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like I saw a picture, or somebody was talking, it was a, a, a picture of a white guy, right? And he had every tattoo that Tupac had. In every every spot and everything. And they were like, somebody made a joke like, in 200 years, you can pick up a history book and people would think this is Tupac. Like Tupac was this white person. And like, as funny as that is, that is 100% true. Yeah. Cause if yeah. I change the narrative and say, "Hey, Tupac was this white guy," and I give you a picture, who you, who 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 am I to say it wasn't? You wasn't even there. This a hundred years from now, like I can do that with history. See, but that that and and, and this and, and and this is what separates belief and facts. Black people universally believe a lot of shit that just ain't true. Ain't true. Yeah. And we fight for it. We hold on to it. We but we never do that fact checking that you mentioned. If listen, if something is true, it was true yesterday, and it's going to be true tomorrow. Truth is absolute. The truth does not change. You can research things, and that's what we have to do. But like again, we don't like to read. We don't like to read anything. Most people ain't going to read nothing longer than a Facebook status, and they're going to skim that motherfucker. Yeah, you ain't it, no status. It, it's crazy. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like you ask a person, what was the last book you read? They're going to look at you like it's something wrong with you. We have to read. Ignorance is the is a weapon of mass destruction. That is the biggest problem in the black community. It's our ignorance. Mm. Now, now let me ask you because uh, you know we wanted to touch on your full story. Did okay. your did your thirst for knowledge, you know, come while you were incarcerated? <clears throat> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, I was I was a street guy. You know, I jumped off the porch at thirteen. You know okay. what I'm saying, and I was. In the mix like a blender. I'm from Joy Roy, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to Joy Roy. You know. But, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I was totally engulfed in that life. But I was always different from my peers. So, at 13, I was with the 17-year-olds. At 17, I was with the 25-year-olds. And I had a big homie, I swear. And this is my homeboy still to this day. He told me, he say, why are you out here? Like, you, you way too fucking smart for this. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, like I said, I graduated from high school. Uh, three days later, I attend, started Wayne State University. 
won scholarships and all of this. You know what I'm saying? So I've always been intelligent. Mm -hmm. I just never gave a damn. Prison made me give a damn. The first time I met my son was in the prison visiting room. He was born three months after I was sent to Newberry. So I was, what, seven, eight hours away from Detroit, away from my community, away from my family, and my son is being born. It took two months for him to, for me to get on a birth certificate, for him to get on a visiting list, for him to come and see me. So he's born in March. I didn't see him to June, almost July. That's a wake-up call for your ass. Mm. If nothing else in the world will make you care, that will. To have your two-month-old baby searched by yeah. a grown-up for you to come hold him. And then they tell you, all right, you held him long enough. That's what made me care. I was always, until I've read thousands of books. You walk into my house right now, the first thing you're going to see is a bookshelf. I took the TV out of my living room because it was distracting. I come in here to read. That's it. I've always been a reader. and Because I'm nosy. I want to know everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I heard this one saying, if you want to hide something from a nigga, put, put it in, in the, the book. book. Yeah. So you ain't hiding from me. You know what I'm saying? You, you won't hide from me. I want to know everything. So that's my thirst for knowledge has always been there. I just had to care. And now I care. Okay. Damn. Seeing your son for the first time. In a, I, you know, I remember when my first son was born. I was there. I cut the cord. And I, like, for me, it was a life-changing experience. And just knowing that I had, I never forget the summer that I knew my son was coming. I had a good friend of mine, you know, knee deep in the streets and he always been that way since we was since we was kids and he took like six shots that summer and but that was my man so when he got out when he came out the hospital it wasn't like this is somebody i'm gonna disassociate myself with like this this my friend you know what i'm saying i knew him since we had sleepovers and we were sharing graham crackers and shit so when he got out it wasn't nothing for me to you know, this my man, I'm gonna keep moving with him. But I remember my mother telling me, You keep hanging with him, like if they didn't finish him off, they was coming back for him. Was was my mother's line of thinking. And I and I just wasn't there. But knowing that I had my son coming on the way, you know, I had to I had to start living for something other than myself. You know what I'm saying? I knew that I had something something greater coming. And like I had never held a child, never changed a diaper, I didn't know shit about kids. Until I had him. I remember putting a onesie on him in the hospital and I was just running through him because in my mind, I didn't know I had to put a diaper on with the damn onesie. I'm thinking <laughs> it was it was it was a one piece, you right. know what I'm saying? Onesie means one flat <laughs> yeah, one multi multipurposeful. You know, when he pissing this, I just put another one on. And I remember the nurse telling me, like, why is he going through so many? And she watching me change him. She's like, Baby, you're not putting a diaper? I was like, nah. It's like I'm talking to her like she's stupid like nah it's the onesie you know what I'm saying <laughs> he's shitting this I put another one on him and like she had to ask cause my ex-wife was just you know she had been in labor 15 hours so yeah. I mean, she was out of it so it was just me trying to figure shit out with a newborn yeah. so I'm just you know doing what the fuck I thought to do yeah that's crazy yeah I don't, I don't know I don't have that stroke I don't know that I don't know that I don't know that line, I don't know that line. you know what I'm saying yeah. so yeah. I, I don't know uh but that's very interesting. I was having a conversation about um, when I woke up and when I started looking at the world differently. Um, I think I was probably like 21, 22 years old before I even had an inkling to say, I wonder why that happened. I, you know what? I'll tell you exactly when I, I, I realized something happened. And we coming up on the, the anniversary of 9-11. 
Yeah. I after nine eleven happened, this was my I was still just a normal person walking around, you know. And shortly after, it was when uh, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, they was on television and they was showing all this evidence of all these weapons of mass destruction that was over in Iran, in Iraq, in Afghanistan. And I sit there watching this thing and growing up, like through elementary school and whatever, like you got pictures of people on the wall. You got like Martin Luther King and Thurgood Thomas, Thurgood Martin. You got all these different people, right? Yeah. Colin Powell was on the wall. Like, so as a kid, I was taught to trust Colin Powell. He was black. He was a, he was a colonel. You know what I'm saying? General. And, and like, you did all everything. So I seen him on television. He's saying this, well, it's mass destruction, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, like, people didn't like George Bush at this time, right? And I'm thinking, like, well. Did they ever like Bush? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, that was my, what? In 2001, I was 19. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had just voted for my first time. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to be all involved. So I'm thinking and looking like this, like, man, listen, I know we don't want to go to war. And everybody talking about George Bush, he want to go to war. But like, look, these people got weapons. all these weapons, right? They show, I see, I'm, I sit there and watch this for hours. They show, they told videotapes of people speaking in Arabic and they put sub, they put captions at the bottom to tell us what they were saying. Right, right. Little did I know, months later, that's not what they was actually saying. They were showing all these pictures and saying all they got. And then, uh, I went to school, to computer school, you know what I'm saying? I built my own computer, whatever, and I got in touch with the internet and I was searching, searching around and I found different things. I watched the movie Fahrenheit 9-11 and a bunch yeah, of this stuff. Yeah. And I thought, and I felt that I was duped. You know what I mean? Like I put my faith in something and I thought 100% that they was telling me the truth. Never thought to question it because oh, this Colin Powell, this kind of Lisa Rice, they black. They gotta be telling you the truth. They telling they me the to. truth. <clears throat> It's Colin Powell, B. He was on the t- he was on the wall when I grew up in elementary school, and I just felt like like he was black history already. I never had a reason to question anything because nobody had like like why would I? Nigga, you get on television, you the president, you say this shit. I think you telling the truth, and then that piqued my interest. And when I found out that things were not always what they appear to be, like you can't never shut that off after that. Yeah. Like your, your your mind is open, and then you start looking at different things um and then you at one thing leads to another then you start looking into your own self your own beliefs your own religion things that you were taught where you come from why are you here well if they was lying about this what else did they lie about and then you actually just everything. you go down they lied about everything you go through the quote-unquote rabbit hole and you know around 2003 2004 you got to be careful with the information that you look to because it come at you fast. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you start telling people But I mean, even the landscape of the internet and how we received information really started to change. You fuck around side. go crazy. You start telling people like, hey man, did you know this? Did, did, did. Everybody looking like, what's wrong with Jason? Uh, like, what's wrong with this dude? Because he, you acting crazy right now and then you got to take a, you take a break. Let me leave this shit alone for, for a little while and then you come back. You know, but everybody you- has their own um, Trip. Everybody haven't went down that rabbit hole yet. No, but you know what? Uh, when you talk about like that, that kind of moment, and even when you spoke on the education piece, even though I didn't, you know, necessarily go off to a university, I took college courses 
you know, I, I, I remember I had a high school counselor that told me like the best place for you to be between the ages of 18 and 25 is in some type of educational institution. Now he said, you know, it may be a trade school. It may be, you know, but he said, you need to continue learning something. And I remember my old dude, he used to work for Wayne County Community College. So I had, you know, the ability to take classes there for free. Now, you know, why I didn't use it at that time to get he, at least my associates? The ability was like, because he had just let y'all in the building and go. No, and no, it was, that, that was, like it was a, like part of the benefits. Like, what? yeah. I need some, somebody need to go get a job at <laughs> it. Okay. But I mean, being young, brass, I want to do what the fuck I want to do. You know, I never put two and two together to use this free education to at least get my associates out of the deal. Man, we was getting money back at that Yeah, time. I mean, yeah, we was getting money. So I wasn't, I wasn't trying to hear go to, <laughs> like, I saw I saw people struggling in school, and then I went to work, and I was getting paid. So, like, I mean, yeah, we was, we was you know, like, you couldn't tell me shit there. But I remember I had a, a sociology professor, and our first assignment was to write about an impactful, something that impacted your life and changed who you were. And I wrote about, you know, a friend of mine, I remember when we were younger, probably about seventh, eighth grade, he came home. We came to his house and his brother had killed himself in the house. Jesus. Wow. And I mean, you know, we 12, 13 going in the house and it's the first thing we see. How old was he? His older brother was like 18, 19 at the time. Mm. And that was the first thing that like we saw. And like my homeboy never came back to school that year after that shit. Which is, so today is actually... Um... Uh, national Suicide Day. Yeah, today yeah. is. That's interesting that you mentioned that on that day. But today is the National Day, um, National Suicide Day. So, it, so it changed like the way it. It kind of made me sort of less emotional to things like death, you know. And, and I know that that thing kind of impacted me, you know, really hard. And on our next day in class, our teacher gave everybody a book based on your assignment. She gave you a book to read. And the book she gave me was Behold the Pale Horse. Whew. And, you know, I read, she was like, because something... I'm scared to read that. I have the book. And I've attempted to read that book multiple times, but I'm not ready to read it yet. Look, when I got that book, I read, like, it took me, like, literally a day and a half. I read it cover to cover. And, like, when I came back, she, I guess, from based, of, based upon our story, she made her own observation of us. And when I came back to class, like, that next week... Like I was ready. Like I was ready to talk about it, and she knew. You it was know, a different person. Like that. Like I. I'm, the book is scary. As, like I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like some of the topics that the. the have five, you read that before? No, I haven't. The five floors underneath the Pentagon, like shit, like that that it talks about. The book is crazy. The book is crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to put that on yeah, the list. You got to. I'm gonna have to I've had it for. I, I just haven't. I haven't. It took me a while to read it. Once, once you read, like your tinfoil theories, once you read, so once you read the book, it will confirm a lot of the shit that you already think. And then I got a friend of mine, shout out to my homeboy Al, who works for the Secret Service. I'm straight. I'm Al. <laughs> That's Al. Listen to this. Damn, he listens to this podcast. He does. He does. Hey, and hey, I'm, Al, we don't got and no I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and get him on here one day when he no comes, man when he come back home. No, he don't need to come here though. Because my homeboy Al got some like some stories, and I know he can't talk about everything because some shit he tell us. Hey, no, don't, I know it's classified. Don't say that. Don't say this. Don't say this. I'm about to get knocked in. Come on, I don't need him on this. 
Because they gonna find out he's the Secret Service. They gonna be like what podcast he was on. And I don't and who ran this podcast? No, Tim no. Foyle theories. No, I, like you have to let me know. Like, so I, I I got, to- it's a it's an episode. Oh, it's a it's, it's a, I don't know. The, I didn't mention it yet, but it's gonna be a weekly um, segment of the show called Jason's uh, Tim Foyle Corner. And I do got a Tim Foyle Corner topic for the day. Uh, I actually posted it on Facebook. You actually commented on it. We'll get on. We'll get into okay, it. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. But at the end of the show, uh, every week I'm gonna do a Tim Foyle topic. And um, yeah, but <laughs> I'm scared of the book. I'm gonna read it probably this week. Read it. Um, I've had it for a long time. I don't know if you guys have read 1984. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that I read that I. You think, read that book, you won't sleep the same at night. Yeah. Read that book and then let me borrow it. Absolutely. Then I can I can let you get that book uh, from Superman to Man. Perfect. So. I, I've read, I read, I read that book in my African American studies class. Right. Amazing book. Amazing, amazing book. Um, so we kind of touched on when your thirst for knowledge and everything came, and how that impact of seeing your son for the first time changed you. Now, um, you're also a Muslim, definitely. Yeah, um, alhamdulillah. So I'm to all my Muslims out there. Uh, how long have you been Muslim and, and how were you raised Muslim or how were you raised and how did that transition? If there was a transition, how did that go? Okay, uh no, I was not I was not raised Muslim. I've been uh alhamdulillah, I've been Muslim for six years now. Uh just had my anniversary in July. Just but it's been six years, six long years. Wow, subhanAllah. But uh when I got when I got in trouble, my mom told my mom's Christian, I was raised Christian, I was baptized and all of that. So mm-hmm. when I got in trouble, my mom said, Read the Bible. Okay, at the ter- at the current time no, when she when she said go ahead not to not not to even cut you off because when like the trouble what like oh like, okay get, the give tru- us give okay, us the whole okay. story give okay, us the whole okay, story okay, okay. <laughs> let me let, let me back up a little bit let me backtrack uh, I was nineteen years old and uh, like I say I was in the streets heavy uh, nineteen twenty something like that I was in the streets heavy and I got into an altercation with a guy and I ended up hurting the guy extremely bad. First, I beat his ass. Then he ended up getting shot. So, uh, but I'm not a villain. You know, it was, I, I felt I felt threatened. Yeah, you know, right. as, as well. But, you shit know, happens. That, shit right, happens. Hood shit. It you know what, what I'm saying? Is. I felt threatened. Nigga got shot. It is what it is. So, I, I, I leave off to pay my debt to society, quote unquote. And uh, I was sentenced to uh, 60 months. At the time, I didn't, I couldn't calculate that fast when the judge said it. He said 60 months to 15 years. I'm like, well, damn, what? What the hell is that? Took me about three minutes to figure out I was gonna be gone for five years. Bad dude. So uh so I leave Wayne County and I'm on the bus going to Jackson, me and a couple other guys. And it's crazy because we rode straight past my apartment building. And I'm like, mm. damn, I'm not gonna see this apartment building for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Damn. And I was just soaking in all the sights of downtown Detroit, like, yeah, it's gonna be a minute before I see this again. You know what I mean? So, boom, we get down there, and we get down there. And this is the first time I've ever been in trouble in my life. I've never had more than a ticket. So, you know, in first one, I hit a home run. Felony. Go sit down. And I'm just like, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. And they send me to Jackson State Penitentiary. And we in there for what they call 22 and 2. 22 hours inside your cell, 2 hours outside of your cell. And, you know, you come out for, uh, three times a day, 20 minutes apiece for meals. Then you get 15 minutes for shower and 45 minutes recreation. So I'm in there, in there, you know, and it's just me and this pen. And I'm 
uh, it was two thousand. It was two thousand and five. So Blade had just came out. So I'm writing Blade verses all over my cell because right, right. I, I don't have any paper. You know what I'm saying? They gave me this little pen, so I'm just in there trying to occupy my time. Then I finally get my phone privileges and I talk to my mom. My mom was so happy. She called off work because I she 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 answered the phone. She was on her way to work and she ended up calling off work just to stay on the phone with me all day. Well, for that forty five minutes, then she just cried. But she said, "You really need to read your Bible." So I said, okay. Plenty of Bibles around here. So I picked it up. Prior to this time, the only time I read the Bible was on Sundays when the pastor said, turn to such and such a chapter. That was it. Okay. So I'm, like I said, but I'm in here for 22 hours. So I read the Bible cover to cover in a day. That's a lot of reading, though. It is. The Bible got some really small words. And they space like, like, that's a lot of reading. When you're working with that time frame you're working with. Yeah. You ain't got shit with time. I, bre- I, I, bre- I breezed through it. And uh, I was like, yo, this was dope. But I had some questions. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So I read it again. Then I read it again and again and again. And I read the Bible five times cover to cover. So now I'm just like, hold on. This, this ain't really what I've been taught. And this is not what I'm seeing from Christians. Right. So I started asking questions. And by this time, I get shipped to another facility. So I'm just asking. So I go to the Christian bus. I'm like, yo, what's up with this, man? Like, right here it says he was praying to somebody. So why am I praying to him? And, you know, the similarities in the stories, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John, it's like, but these are three different time periods and three different places in the world. It's just, it, 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 there were inconsistencies in my mind and in my heart. How was somebody named Matthew, Luke, and John, those three American names, <laughs> in the middle of the 2016 day? years ago, somebody in that named, region of the world? Somebody's name was Matthew, or Luke, John, like, I, I don't know, that's just weird to me. It was, I always it was, felt like it was a variation, you know what I'm saying? Like, I do believe that the, the Bible was divinely written, but there, there are certain things in the Bible, like, Parable stories that, that don't that don't Bible. logically make sense. But 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 see that's the thing, and it says so in the Bible. Yeah. It says so after the directly after the story of Abraham and his wives. It tells you that we give you these stories in allegory, but they don't teach that in church. So what for you guys? I don't know what allegory is. I'll give. This is the best example I can give you. The boy who quiet roof. When I want to teach somebody that you shouldn't keep. Saying something happened that didn't because at some point I'm not gonna believe you. I created this story about the fox and the, and the little boy and everything. Yeah. I wanted to teach you a lesson, so I read it. I wrote it in allegory. So that's like it's a story, uh, may or may not be based on truth or whatever, whatever it is. But I wanted to teach you something, so I wrote this story out uh, so a child can understand it. So I read it. I wrote it in allegory and. The, the 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 Buddhists have a saying, and in, in, in the Buddhist religion they have a saying, and the saying is the mind must be prepared for simple truths, and that's a very profound statement. If your three year old child walks up to you and asks you, "Daddy, how did I get here?" I'm not gonna say to my three year old, "Well, Daddy took his penis and stuck it in Mommy's vagina and ejaculated sperm, and then you fertilized her uterus." And you now I'm gonna say you can't. I'm not gonna. Your mind is not prepared for that at three years old. So the Bible, your mind is not ready for God. God is something that cannot be measured in time or space. Our finite minds are not 
able to comprehend something infinite. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you stories so you can get a small inkling of what I'm talking about. I'm not telling you that you can be the 17 foot nigga with a rock. I'm telling you that if you have the faith the size of a rock, no, no object or no obstacle can stop you. This is the boy who cried wolf. This is a parable. If you have faith, there is nothing that can stop you. Not niggas get slingshots and beat giants. That's not what I'm telling you here. <laughs> right. So, and, 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 But I was wondering, why isn't it taught the way it's supposed to be? And then somebody was like, because they never wanted to teach you this way. It was designed for a specific purpose and a specific reason. We all know that the Roman Catholic Church is one of the biggest, the Vatican is one of the biggest banks in the world. It's about money. It's about dollars and cents. I got to keep, you got to keep coming here. We got to keep passing this plate around. And I got to keep giving you this faith. I got to have faith on deck so I can keep getting these checks. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but this is what I gathered and my deduction from my research. If you do your research and you come up with something different, I'm all ears. Please enlighten me. But from that, I ventured to Islam. And I picked up the Quran. And the Quran specifically tells you, we give you these stories in allegory. Only Allah knows their true meaning. You can live your whole life and never understand what this story is talking about. Just get a little bit. So I liked it because what I read matched what I seen and, what, and how it's taught. So it worked for me. I'm not saying Islam is going to work for everybody. That's, that's, that's not on me. Yeah. But it worked for me. What I feel, as far as with all these religions and, and different things, that um, to a certain extent, all of them are the same. Like if I take the Ten Commandments to anybody and say, hey, which one of these you don't agree with? You're not going to find one of these that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I just think everybody vibrates at a certain level. And for you to be whatever it takes to get you to vibrate at that perfect level, whether it's via Hindu, whether it's via Islam, whether it's via uh, Jehovah Witness, whatever it is, whatever it takes you to vibrate at that particular frequency to get you living in that righteous spot, uh, get to that vibration level by any means possible. But just get there. True, That's true. just, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, all any of us have is faith. Right? Because yeah. we don't know nothing. Exactly. I didn't see none of this shit. And you didn't see any of it. But I just have faith that it happened. I don't even know if my parents are my parents. What if I got switched at birth? I believe that they, you know what I'm saying? All we True. got is faith. Um, so, being Muslim... So I think there's kind of like two different versions of Muslims. There are, I think pe people have an idea, so different you, ideas. You, so as there a, are as more a young than two different versions. Yeah. So when I say by... Well, I mean Maybe by black that, people got two different yes, ideas of what, that's exactly what, what Muslims I'm about to, are. I'm about to go through. So okay. when you look at somebody and he's a young black male, he tells you you're Muslim, they instantly think, oh, you're in the nation of Islam. Yes, they do. Um, versus I just practice the Muslim faith. You know, and for you... How has been the experience of being Muslim uh, here in America, Metro Detroit? I even know you were um, thinking about shooting a documentary about that whole process. So enlighten us. Right. Well, let's not get it misconstrued. I'm, 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 I'm what's called a Sunni Muslim. Okay. I follow the Sunnah. And the Sunnah is just basically the literal translation is the tradition. And we follow the traditions of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I'm not in the nation of Islam. Shout out to all my nation brothers out there, though. Uh, 
I practice what's called Orthodox Islam, and uh, the Nation of Islam was created in 1913 by Elijah Muhammad right here in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunni Islam, or Orthodox Islam, is dates back 1,435 years ago with Prophet Muhammad. But we can take it even back further than that to Abraham, Adam, you know, blase split. But what what people hear when they say, me want some all, you'll be on the corner selling bean pies. No, it's a lot more to it than that. Right, right. But what I don't like is the direct correlation between Arabs and Islam. Man. As soon as you say something about Islam, they immediately start thinking about Arabs. Like Africa don't have, you know... There are 1.7 billion Muslims on the planet. Only 20% of them are Arab. That's a very small percentage. That's not even half of half. So, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of us, black people. Africa is a Islamic-dominated continent. It's 54 countries. Islam dominates the majority of that 54. So, you know what I'm saying? We gave Islam to the world. We, we, us, black people, we gave Islam to the world. But it's immediately, when you when you see something on TV, like I said, 9-11, I guarantee they're going to have some Muslims up there talking about how sorry they are and this, is that, and third, apologize for some shit that they had nothing to do with them. But they're going to be Arabs. Somebody fresh off the boat from Lebanon or Jordan or Iran who don't know the Muslims' experience in America. Right. You know what I'm saying? So to be a young black male in America... To be a convicted felon in America and to be a Muslim in America, like y'all just man, listen, like that's that's <laughs> walk in my shoes and hurt your feet. Literally, that's all the strikes you can get. Exactly, you know what I'm saying. But the experience, the reason I wanted to shoot the documentary is to tell the tell the black Muslim story. You know what I'm saying? Chicago, Detroit has what the biggest you know Muslim population in the country, but you got cities like Chicago. You got Hamtramck, you got Philadelphia, you got New York, D.C. These are all places dominated by black Muslims. And beautiful cities. I love Philadelphia. Philadelphia is like, it's like my second you, yeah, home. I see you in there a lot. Yeah, yeah, I be in Philly a lot, man. Shout out to all my brothers out there, man. All my sisters out there. Like, we here. We not going nowhere. You know what I mean? We here and we have an experience and we have a voice. And, you know, we got, we got something to say, too. Man, you know what's so funny? Um, uh... How we have as a country, how we've been conditioned to hate Muslims, yeah, and to hate and to, and to attach the word Muslim to people from the so-called Middle East. Uh, I even think back to GI Joe. I know that's weird, right? No, no, because that's that's where it started. That's literally that's where it started. It started yeah. they taught you that the American guys, the GI Joes, were good, and all the bad guys, we were actually fighting them in the sand, fighting them in the desert. Zartan, yeah. all like these were Muslims. Let these were quote unquote Arab Muslims, and that's what it made that connection. I'm watching um, Back to the Future. That's what 1985, 86, or yeah. whatever. The guys that came to kill the professor. Arab Muslims, like you've been, we've been conditioning people to say these people are terrorists and these and them, like for a long time yeah. before anything ever happened. Like we just been conditioned for a long time that these people from this area are bad guys. Look, I'm, Passenger Fifty Seven, like any movie you can think of. The quote kiss, unquote, good night. Hold on, I'm completely guilty of this shit, and I'll admit this story. I got a, I got a homeboy of mine. Shout out to my boy Pete. Pete and his family are, they are, I think they're from Iraq. And I've known Pete. He's been my friend at least 
10 years now. And he was just mentioning the casual conversation, you know, getting himself together because him and his him and his brother were going to church. I just asked him, oh, what, what mosque? Where's your mosque at? He was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I go to Great Grace. Yeah, and that's what he said. He was like, I was born Christian. He's like, I've been raised Christian. I was like, I've known you all these years. I just, just assumed. Yeah, just assumed because he's Arabic that, you know, he was Muslim. I felt, I felt like an idiot. You feel like you just called him a nigga? I did. I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, know, I've known him, like I said, at least 10 years. And I just, just assumed that, you know, he was Muslim. So around the... Uh... Around my awakening, when I'm 22, 23 years old or whatever, app, this is app, post 9-11, uh, my girlfriend at the time lived next door to um, an Arab family. I didn't really have any kind of contact with them except two twin Arabic guys that was in my, my middle school, Ahmad, Hassan, Hassan, Hassan. They fought all the time. Fought each <laughs> other all the time. <laughs> like, how you get kicked out for fighting your twin brother in school? Like... This but, you got a brother. You you understand how that yeah, how that beef bubbles up. Fight at home. I don't like you getting kicked <laughs> out of school. Uh, like fight at home. But like I literally had no kind of contact, right? So once I got uh NIT, I got a job at this place called PC Mart. We take old computers up. Take old computers like from Chrysler Ford. I don't know where they got these computers from, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But they said they was from like Ford Chrysler when they throw out their old computers. We'll take them, fix them up, upgrade them, and they'll sell them at the computer shows on the weekend. I work for a guy named E. I work with uh, people from Iraq, Iran, Yemen, um, Lebanon, one Mexican, and me and my other black friend uh, from NIT. Like besides that, everybody there um, was from the so-called Middle East. Uh, they were Muslim and everything. Right. And this was post 9-11. And this was the first time I actually got to interact with different people from different cultures and everything. And everything that I learned on television or kind of been insinuated was absolutely false. Like literally absolutely false. And I got to um, talk with one of my, who I considered a good friend's name was Magic. And I got to ask questions like, well, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why are they covered up? Um, why do they sit in the backseat? Things of that nature where... It's portrayed in a negative light, like well, you don't respect your women and stuff like that. Like, no, we do this because we do respect our right, women. Right. And they, when he just broke everything down and like, you know, if you want to, I'll invite you to, you know, have come to my my house and have dinner with my family and like. Some if of you're the standing most, on the outside looking in, some of the know, most you don't know kind and cultured and more most religious and literally, it was just the exact opposite from everybody. Then what I what I've been told, and what was insinuated up into that, and I'm mean, at that point, I'm a young man, and all I'm going off of is what you've been taught. I mean, I'm Muslim, and I had these stereotypes going in. I'm Muslim, like I used to, you know what I'm saying. I'm from Joy Road, but you know Dearborn is right down the street. Right, right. I used to see the sisters covered up from head to toe, like yo, she hot as shit under all that. Like, like she got to be cooking. You know what I'm saying? So I had preconceived notions and I had stereotypes and I had prejudices walking in but it's 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 what we expose ourselves to or what we shun ourselves away from. Yep, yep. I'm not I'm never gonna shun myself away from knowledge. I don't care what you believe. I you know what I'm saying? If you a Hindu and you my man's, I'ma learn about your culture. Period. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a lot of Caucasian friends. I'm from an eighty two percent black city. I'm sorry. Like if y'all if you Caucasian you wanna hang out with me, holler at me. I, I got some questions. But we, uh, <laughs> we all got some questions. <laughs> like straight up. You know what I'm saying? But it's like you learn 
When, listen, when you hate somebody for some dumb shit, you only shutting yourself off from knowledge. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? There was a a guy. Uh, we was at the mosque. We was offering salat. We was it was time to pray. So we 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 go to the I go to the mosque and I offer my salat, and a brother invites me to a meeting that they're about to have. He like, yo, you need to come down the street. You know what I'm saying? Like these brothers getting together, they're trying to do something for the community. And this was really, and this was this was a couple weeks ago, and this was my first experience. You know what I'm saying? Like this. And I so you know what I'm saying? We go down the street, and. uh I, we, we get to the brother's house, and it's a couple of brothers congregated outside, you know what I'm saying, and they invite everybody in. It's a Muslim household, so we take our shoes off. So we take our shoes off, and we go downstairs to the basement. Like, if, you ever, if you've never been to an Arab's basement, they have, like, the dopest basements ever. <laughs> like, they, like, the men, the basement is their part of the house, so it's immaculate. When we walk downstairs, I got marble floors mm. in the basement. Like a regular outside the crib, total regular. You go in here, it's marble floors on the basement. Then he has these couches with these huge cushions. So it's like instead of like a, you buying a couch for like fifteen hundred dollars, only three people can sit on it. It's like twenty people can sit on this couch because it just aligns the wall. Okay. Of the entire basement, so you got marble floors, you got these tables, you got these long plush couches, and these kids is just coming down there, just bringing everybody food. Just I don't know where all this food keep coming from, but I've never ate so much. They got food and they got all these teeth. And what they're doing is they're trying to build a community center for their children. Hmm. So it's all the men of the community down here discussing, all right, where we going to put it at? How much money we need? What is the community? What is it going to entail? This is how they solve problems in their community. They see a problem in their neighborhood, in their community. The men get together and they fix it. Period. We ain't got to go to no alderman. We ain't got to ask the mayor for shit. We don't need no government. Because everybody pulled their resources. We pull our resources together. together and, and, and and I'm sitting back and they're talking in Arabic. So my brother is sitting here translating to me everything they say. Like, I'm, I'm getting the jokes late because, you know what I'm saying, everybody else did already laugh. And he tell me the joke <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. laugh too. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm the only black dude here. Yeah. I'm the only one. I'm in a room full of Arabs. And it, it was just a beautiful, dope thing to see these men come together to fix their problem. Yeah. So after we done eating and everything, you know what I'm saying, we had to go. I'm trying to, you know, customary and, and you know what I'm saying, pick up your garbage. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to pick up my little trash. And he like, no, leave it. Leave it. So my kids is for. They going to come down here and pick it up. You know what I'm saying? My wife cooked the food. I didn't serve the food. The kids going to clean it up. Everybody got a roll. Everybody got a roll. No one's better than another person. Everybody a has a role, and nobody is jockeying. Nobody is fighting for position. The wife wasn't running downstairs talking about y'all too loud, and this is when they leaving. Everybody played their part. We have a problem in our community. Our kids need this. The men are going to come together and solve it. And it was just beautiful to me. It was so dope to me. And like I said, I'm Muslim already. Been Muslim six years. Just to see, be experienced in someone else's culture. Like don't don't shun yourself from no information. I've been giving out the same challenge for people for about three years now. I say if you come to the mosque with me, I'll go to the church, to the temple, to the synagogue with you. I've been telling only two people have ever done it, have ever taken me up on this offer. If you come to the mosque with me, I'll go wherever you want me to go with you. And I, I'm still putting that challenge out there to the world. Anytime offer still stands. Give me your give me your at David again. <laughs> at call. Call underscore me underscore Tariq underscore Tariq T A R I Q on Facebook Tariq Aha T A R I Q A H A D. Man, that's a uh, that's pretty dope. So out of um, father, 
uh, Muslim, uh, student, uh, overcomer of struggle and tragedy, <laughs> as well as small business owner. Yeah, yeah. talk about that. Oh yeah, uh, man, it's, it's 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 crazy how how you know one thing in your life can lead to the next thing in your life, and that leads to something else. Like all of those things you mentioned has led to my book that I'm writing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But the, the small business aspect came along where it was four of us in the beginning. It was me, my brother Nasir, Tarif, and Ashif. So, it, and it was Tarif's idea. It, ironically enough, it was his idea. Like, yo, like we need to put a business together. So, we like, all right, what are we going to do? So, he was like, man, like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody got these shirts. Everybody got these shirts. Because we all Muslims. So, he's like, man, we need some Muslim-themed shirts. Like, it's 1.7 billion of us. Ain't nobody catering to us. I was like, that's the best goddamn idea I've ever heard in my life. You know what I'm saying? Biggest market ever. The biggest market ever, and we gonna corner it. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we did. We spent like, we spent a couple months just coming up with just dope ideas and themes, and so we put it together. Well, anything don't work out. You know how niggas' egos come into play. We Muslims, we still got problems. We still got a lot of nigga shit that we deal with. The Aki Hood shirts. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, unfortunately, I was the only one who actually followed through, but it is what it is. All my brothers know. Nas, you already know what it is. You know, I love you, Ock. Reef, Sheaf, y'all already know what it is. You know what I'm saying? But the business didn't grow all together. I just carried the torch, and I was like, yo, this was dope, and I'm going to do it. And alhamdulillah, they all gave me their blessings to continue it on, and they all still supporting me. You know what I'm saying? But, I, yeah, I have, I have Muslim-themed shirts. That's how I started with Muslim-themed shirts. Brothers praying with, you know what I'm saying, brotherhood in Arabic on there. Or the this girl loves her hijab. Like, those was like some of my top selling shirts and how I started. And I've been doing this for three years now. And now I'm, uh, you know, provocative clothing. Now I've moved on to more, you know, provocative topics and, you know, themes for shirts. Things that's going like the shirt that you got on right now is pretty right. dope. Uh, the red, black, yeah. and green, with, uh, and it says "kidnapped from Africa," and it got the uh, the motherland. I need that shirt. Yeah, maybe that should be the logo for this week's this week's podcast. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely use that as a logo. kidnapped from Africa. Matter of fact, you actually you made me some shirts actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had some some gun themed shirts because you know I'm, I'm fully Second Amendment. <laughs> uh, and I had him, you know, I brought him some ideas and you know he, he printed some shirts up for me, uh, which is dope. I even got my my dashiki that I posted up on Instagram and people be commenting every time I write it out, like I, I get the looks or whatever. You know, it came from my brother here. Yeah, man, dashikis. Uh, any any custom shirt you want, I can make. So just get at me. But like I say, dashikis is on deck. And this 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 is like one of my this is probably my favorite shirt ever. This is a totally original idea for me. And I like wearing it around Caucasians. I'm not going to lie. I wore it to the airport when I was on my way. Oh, man. You're trying I, to get on that no fly list. I forget where I was flyers. going at the time. But I'm in the airport. I was going. I think it was my last vacation. I was in the airport. And I'm just, you know. I'm not. We, we, we put your shirt on. You don't pay attention to what's on your shirt. Because it's your shirt. You just right. put your shirt on. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not knowing why everybody in the airport is staring at me. And then a Caucasian guy probably had to be like 6'2", probably about 60 years old. He walks up, he say, I love that shirt, sir. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay, cool. 
Like, you I know what I'm saying? Oh, right. I, this is just me being me, but it, it it causes a conversation. So I mean, he's sitting there with his wife, and his wife's face is flush red. So now they talking about the shirt. It, it stirs up a conversation, and that's why I got so much respect for Colin Kaepernick and the things he's doing because you got people talking. You got people talking. We're challenging the status quo. We're saying we're not standing for this shit no more. And and if anything, that, that's what provocative you, clothing is brung, about. By default, that brung attention to the third verse of the national anthem that no one ever knew. Exactly. And what's so dope is I wrote, I read this whole article about it written by a guy named Jason Johnson. Out of all things, like, <laughs> th- like this article had to find me because the guy who wrote it had my same name. So, like, it ended up finding me. But, um, I mean, the thing about it is the conversation is what brings upon the change. Yeah. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And, it had, and the conversation needs to be among white folks because we already know what's going on. Y'all need to talk amongst yourselves and figure out how we change this. Man, but the big beard, the kidnap from Africa shirt, you was definitely trying not to go to wherever you was trying to go. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I got the uh the Don app on my phone and it lets me know when it, when uh when it's time to pray, when it's time to offer salat. So I was uh this was when I was picking my son up from the airport because he had just got back from Atlanta. He was down in Atlanta with his mom. Boy, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> so I'm I'm standing there by the gate. And uh, I'm waiting for my son to deboard the plane, and uh, a lot the don goes off. Now, if you never heard the don, it's loud. It's yeah. a lot like about a lot like about. About to have everybody run about that joint. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm so quick, like trying to fumble the phone. I'm not praying in this airport. Stalk for the law. I'm gonna wait till I get home to offer this a lot. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, that was that was crazy right there. Yeah, I can I can only imagine, man. <laughs> Man, I just appreciate you coming out and sharing. Uh, yeah, insightful, man. I this the many good conversations of, and you never know who you walking by in the street or what they've gone through in their life, what trials and tribulations led to to whomever. You know, any successful person, you have no idea what it took for them to get there. Yeah, um, and I just appreciate Can't uh, judge you coming through his and uh, and sharing. I, I wore my dashiki the other day to the dentist. And uh, the white lady, she was like, "Oh, you're looking all tropical, like <laughs> to, 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 to sit on the beach." I'm like, "I don't think you get what this is. This is not no Hawaiian shirt. This is, <laughs> this is not cheeky." Uh, but it is time for Jason's uh, tinfoil corner. Tinfoil topics, tinfoil. Corner. I don't know what it is, but here's a, here's the thing. And I posted on Facebook the other day. I think that time zones. Are so unnecessary. Let me hear the whole. Let me hear your whole theory on this one. Cause so, shouldn't time be absolute? So, for an example, iPhone got released. The pre-order started at uh, twelve a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time in Cali, whatever Cali time is, at twelve a.m. Here in Michigan, that's three o'clock in the morning. So, instead of everybody trying to fit in Chicago, that would be uh, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. All these different like why the only reason that we got time zones is to make everything all neat and tidy. Like so, why can't we just have one time? So when it's twelve o'clock a.m. here, it's twelve o'clock a.m. in California. It don't matter what how light it is outside. The time you. itself can be could be say the same thing. All right, so that's just one thing. However, the Tim Foyle portion comes in is. The reason they do that is because we're not living in natural time. 
our time and our calendar, everything is totally off. I'll give you an example. Um, what's the first astrological sign? It's Aries. I'm okay, Aries. I don't get into them. So uh, all right, Aries. Aries is in the springtime. It's like the beginning of spring, right? Yeah. What's the first year in our Gregorian calendar? January. Tell me what starts with death because everything is dead in the wintertime. The reason that the astrological calendar starts in April because that's the beginning of spring. Everything starts with life. Nothing starts with death. If you take a look at uh, the calendar, say October is Octo, which is eight, correct? Right. October is our 10th month. Right. Which is wrong. <laughs> We're not living in natural time. November should be the ninth month. December, Desi, should be the 10th month, but it's the 12th month. Like our whole calendar and our whole time, everything is off kilter. And it has an impact on you (coughs) as a person and us because we are living outside of of natural time. Uh, Now, you you made a comment uh, on the post. Do you remember what you said? Yes. Go ahead and say what you said. I said there are actually three measurements of time that exist in nature, which is... A year, which is how long it takes the Earth to revolve around the sun. A month, which is the lunar cycle, how the, the phases of the moon. And a day, which is a 24-hour rotation of the Earth. Hours, seconds, and minutes were created. There's this people on Earth. There's a people, I forget where they're from. But their shortest measurement of time, like we got seconds, milliseconds, dec- decaseconds, and all that shit. Their shortest Measurement of time is the time it takes rice to come to a boil. That's how they met. That's their shortest measurement of time. So, uh, three or four rice cycles, I'll be over there. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, just imagine the difference between us and them when we say, "Oh, it happened. At, it happened at the same time." That's a that's a very big gap. But <clears throat> it's it's kind of an explanation for some of this shit. But it's kind of made up. The Earth is moving at roughly a thousand miles per hour around the sun. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and there's a lot of space junk out there. So the Earth ray weighs roughly six six trillion tons. But we're picking up space junk as we're moving throughout the cosmos. So the Earth is growing. It's getting bigger. People are being born. It's more population. It's more dense. So it's moving slower. So they say in a uh, day is 24 hours. So actually it's 23 hours, 56 minutes, and like three seconds. Mm-hmm. But it's slowing down. The earth is slowing down. So now the sun is not in the same place that it used to be a thousand years ago at this particular time of the day. So that's kind of why the time zone shit is here because it does make things neat. It does very, it, it makes things neat. I, you have to be at work at six o'clock. You can't just show up when you, you so know. If, you, if the time, like show up at six, like so for an example, when it's light outside, people typically go to work. Right. People typically get up. Whatever that time is, make it that time. So for an example, I got to, if, if, you, if your son's born um, January 1st, uh, at 12.01 a.m. Boom. In California. Y'all on vacation. But you from Michigan. Your time is three hours different. What time were you born? Which one is real? Which one is absolute? You know what I mean? Like, 
depending on where you at in the world, if you say such and such got shot at 10 o'clock in Dallas, okay, well, what time did the president get shot? Because on 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 the West Coast, it ain't 10 o'clock, it's 7 o'clock. Yeah. So your memory of the events is totally different. You know what I mean? I can't... It's, like it's, you saying 9-11 coming up, like... At what, what what time, time did the plane, did the plane crash? Hit? Yeah. What what city? What what time zone were you at? Where are you from? And your in, my internal clock is different from like you go to when you go to the West Coast, you get tired at a certain time, right? Yeah, because you, you used to go body, jet lag, you know. But in some places, it was September twelfth already. Yeah. So when did this like time is a, a finicky thing? I know it's tinfoil. That's why it's in this section of the. <laughs> that's why it's in this section of this podcast. <laughs> Makes sense. It's a, it's, a, it's a good topic. It's a good topic. Well, why we have it? Like, just use the same time, b. So maybe your schedule looks like I, w- I go to work at three o'clock in the morning because but- we always had in people too stupid. That's the only reason we still have pennies and currency. Pennies cost more to make than they're worth, but they won't take them out of circulation because Americans are too damn stupid to count change. We don't. There we have it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. I appreciate you checking in for episode number 12. Is, is, are we going to do the top five next episode? Yeah, this is going to be the mixtape. Yeah. Top five. Top five next week. Top fives. Yeah. We got a bunch of top fives. Top five albums. Top five. Matter of fact, this is what y'all do for it. Uh, we can, We got to throw this on the Facebook page. Yeah. Put on, we're going to put on Facebook. What you want to hear top five? Cause we already got top five comedians, top five rappers, top five um, all types of stuff. Whatever you want to have a hear the top five and drop your top five things so we can tear it to shreds because it's probably bullshit. Because <laughs> this top five debut album is gonna like this may change the landscape of the podcast because you were talking so crazy about albums that I believe in. Hey, uh, whether you believe in them or not is neither here nor there. But whether it's top your, your top five comedian, your top five worst movies, top five best movies, whatever the the whole set. Next week we doing the top five episode. Yeah. Singers, rappers, top five ugliest people in the NBA history. Uh, <laughs> Tyrone Hill, uh, Tyrone Sam Cassell. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. Everybody go to Sam Cassell. But you know, next week we doing the top five episode, and uh, that should be pretty fun. Um, as always, check out the Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram, jjohnson313. Follow the Shop Talk Podcast at, um, at Shop Talk Podcast on um, Instagram. <coughs> and uh, we just appreciate y'all for listening. And um, for one last time, give up give up your information so they can follow you. In. Oh, yeah, man. I want to thank, uh, thank the brothers for having me on the show, man. Real dope conversation. Appreciate that. Uh, at, on Instagram, it's call underscore me underscore Tariq underscore. And on Facebook, it's Tariq Ahad. T-A-R-I-Q-A-H-A-D. Yeah, and uh, same thing every week. Dame Gone Wild on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Snapchat till it dies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much off Snapchat. Yeah, I, uh, you, you, don't, you don't put no stories back up on Snapchat. I, I really don't. I just, I just, I just be, I don't be feeling it. You think you're better than Snapchat? I just don't, <laughs> long, honestly, I just don't be feeling like the social media. But now I got to. You know what's the stupid, before we close, what's the stupidest shit in the world? Watching someone make a Snapchat video. Yeah. Whole day, if it's, especially if it's some music on, like, watch a female make a Snapchat video. It looks like the dumbest shit you've ever seen. Yeah, it is. All right, folks, till next week, holla. Yeah.